Learning to be happy with Da. Hello and welcome back. In this episode, we're going to discuss meditation. There's a really good chance if you're listening to my podcast that you've read about meditation and practiced it before. But I want you to hear me out. I often have people tell me that the things I share with them about meditation are things that they haven't heard before and that it really helps them make the practice fruitful. They often see that they've been going about it the wrong way. So I'm hoping what I have to share with you today will be practical and useful. I'm going to discuss several things, first being the four categories of meditation, and the second being the attitude we want to take to ensure the practice is productive. And I'll begin with the four categories. So the four categories of meditation include concentration-based methods, the cultivation of positive feelings, the exploration of negative feelings, and contemplating the nature of reality or identity. All meditations, no matter where you find them, from any religion or spiritual practice, are going to fall into one of these four categories. And all these meditations have their place and their purpose. And before we begin, I want to let you know about some terminology. The word object in meditation simply refers to whatever you have chosen to pay attention to. That's really all it means. The object of your meditation is the thing you've chosen to pay attention to. So in concentration-based methods, the object is typically a sensory object. It is something that you can hear, see, taste, smell, touch. Most often the breath. This is probably the most common object used for meditation. The reason being that it's always there. So when you're following your breath and your mind begins to wander and you're lost in some daydream of the past or the future, that moment that you notice, ah, my mind is wandering. I want to pay attention to my breath. You come back to the body and the breath is there. You do not have to do anything to find it. In this sense, it is easier. So these objects are called gross objects. Gross objects are those that are sensory in nature and which are always present and easily accessible. Concentration-based methods such as following the breath improve our concentration and memory. They may induce relaxation, but they can also make us more alert. Depending on the object that we choose, this meditation can energize, or relax us. This meditation also has the benefit of improving our awareness of thoughts and feelings, though that's not necessarily the intention of the practice. The second category of meditation, the cultivation of positive feelings, involves a subtle object. A subtle object is mental or emotional in nature. It is not always present. It must be created, or you must discover it. In these meditations, you think or read in such a way that brings about a pleasant feeling, a predetermined pleasant feeling. You want to cultivate joy, compassion, love, appreciation, gratitude, courage, confidence, patience, 
any number of things. You think about the word and what it means. You generate the feeling through memory and imagination. And once, you've ha- once you get the feeling, you concentrate on that. You stay with the feeling and increase it in intensity by concentrating on it. So the feeling then becomes the object of your practice. First, you have to search for it or create it through imagination, then concentrate on that feeling. It's similar to the first practice. It is a concentration-based method, but involves more active thinking. And this practice is considered to be more difficult because the object is not always present, not like the sensory objects. So when your mind wanders to a daydream, the feeling may disappear. And then when you notice, oh, I was meditating on joy. I want to go back to it. The joy is gone. And you may have to recreate it by thinking once again in such a way that brings about the feeling. The third category, exploring negative feelings, involves searching the body and mind for pain or unpleasant feelings and concentrating on them. And there are many reasons for this. One being, we want to cultivate a comfort with the uncomfortable. We want to sit with pain and discomfort so that we can see it more clearly and consider whether or not it is really dangerous to us, what danger it poses, if any, and to consider what message it is giving us, what it has to teach us, which we cannot do if we are afraid of it. If we are afraid of our negative feelings, then we're bound to seek distraction in TV, drugs, alcohol, relationships, and in complaining. We're not likely to look deeply at our role in the pain. A lot of this comes back to what the previous episodes have discussed. When we perceive other people or events as making us feel bad, we do not take the time to understand the relationship between our thoughts and beliefs and our reaction to those events. And so the meditation on negative feelings, the exploration of negative feelings, involves searching for those unpleasant things like we did with our journal and concentrating on them to better understand those feelings, to stop fearing them, and to be able to question them. In the fourth meditation, a meditation on the nature of reality and identity, we ask ourselves some, re- some bigger questions, questions that, you know, the average person probably doesn't care to ask or asks only in an intellectual, philosophizing manner. The perennial question of spirituality, who am I? And other questions like, is time and space objective or subjective? What is the difference between the objective and subjective? What is the nature of mind? What is the nature of ego? What is the nature of self? So exploring all these concepts, and there's a practical purpose to all of this, which is often overlooked. Buddhism explains that all joys and sufferings relate to a self, to the I. When there is pain, you feel, it is my pain. I am in pain. When there is joy, you feel, I am joyful. So what is the nature of this I? An understanding that there would be no suffering if there was no self. And yet we do not know the nature of this self. So these meditations, these contemplations, focus on identifying the permanent among the impermanent. They explore the nature of awareness and of consciousness itself. The objects of these meditations are considered 
very subtle objects. And there's a big difference between meditating on the object itself and the idea of the object. So debating with someone about whether there is free will and whether time and space exist and using all these verbal concepts is not a meditation on the objects themselves. A meditation on the objects themselves would be to observe without needing to think and experience time and space as a movement in consciousness, to experience self as a movement in consciousness, to actually witness this. And so these meditations have nothing to do with believing. It's not about concluding, I believe this is real, existent, or I believe this is not real and not existent. It is to genuinely witness and realize through one's own immediate moment-to-moment experience. And so these meditations are considered the most difficult because the object is very, very subtle. But these meditations do begin with contemplation, with using words and concepts that help direct our attention inward to the place where we are able to observe them directly. So there you have it. You have the four meditations. Concentration-based methods like breath meditation, the cultivation of positive feelings, such as generating joy and love, the exploration of negative feelings, like exploring anger and fear, and the exploration of identity, asking who we really are. Now, the attitude we want to take in any of these meditations is one of friendliness, of gentleness, of curiosity. It's very important to understand that motivation matters. And it's very easy to fool ourselves as to what our motivation is. We want to ensure that our intention when we meditate is to become more aware and more present and not less aware. It is tempting at times to meditate to induce relaxation and avoidance of our problems. And there is some space for this. There is some reason for this. When we're really angry, it is difficult to think clearly. By concentrating on our breath and following our breath, we may become more relaxed and thus more reflective. But if we do not use this calm, reflective mind to look back at the anger and understand its nature better, then all we're really doing is using meditation the same way we would use a painkiller or TV. We're using it to distract ourselves and dissolve the negativity without really taking responsibility for it. So far, we've discussed in the podcast how it's more fruitful to look to our thoughts as responsible for our feelings than it is to events. But this can easily lead to our thinking that the goal is to control ourselves, to control our thoughts, to control our feelings. And we can become attached to that. We can become attached to this idea that there is something wrong with us, with our mind, with our feelings, that we need to fix. But before we make this judgment, meditation asks of us to simply look, to be genuinely curious, and forget our assumptions. So perhaps things are not bad, though they seem that way. If you take the position that my negative feelings, such as anger, sorrow, and fear, are unacceptable sufferings that must be eradicated, then you may fail to see their nature, that perhaps they're there to tell you something, 
that they're not enemies at all. I do not want you to relate to your inner or outer environment as hostile, as an enemy. You want to extend a friendliness to all things within and without. Another way to go about it is to think of the mind or the ego as a child and think about what you wanted when you were a child. Did you want your parents to control you, to tell you what to do and what not to do? No, you wanted their acceptance. You wanted their love. You wanted their understanding. And so that is the goal in our meditation. It is not to control, but to understand and trust that understanding will lead to the transformation you desire. You will become the person who you want to be through understanding alone, as if by magic. No force is needed, only seeing, only compassion. This is the attitude that we must take for the meditation to be fruitful and to ensure our motivation really is pure, curious, and kind and not just hidden attempts at controlling ourselves, having shifted our belief that our feelings depend on circumstances too, our thoughts instead. No. (laughs) Amazingly, our feelings do not even depend on thoughts, only our believing and misunderstanding those thoughts. But the presence of the thoughts themselves is not the problem, so do not try to control much of anything in meditation. All the guidance you provide is gentle, kind, and reassuring, always being open to see and understand. And that is my advice, which I hope you will find practical and useful. In the next few episodes, we're going to break down the meditations in more detail. Don't forget to check out the Learning to Be Happy Facebook group and my website, www theheartchakra.ca for affordable counseling in person or online and to check out my spiritual services on spiritual healing and chakra readings. Catch you next time. Bye.